Welcome to another inspirational message from Liberty Church in Omaha, Nebraska. McGaffin as he joins us on the stage. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Come on. God, you're so nice. Why don't you turn someone next to you, give a high five. High fives this morning. I'm so glad that you're here. Um, you know, it's always, it's always cool to come back and um, see so many great people that, that fill the church. And, um, you know, Desiree and myself, we, were, we served here for, uh, I don't know, nine years maybe. Um, and so it's always so cool to come back and see so many faces that are familiar and see a lot that are new. And um, we're just so happy that you're here today. And um, like I already said, my wife Desiree and I are glad to be here. Our boys are downstairs ready for some pancakes and whatever else is on the way. Xavier and Zion are happy to be back as well. And before I go any further, I just want to send greetings from my pastor, Pastor Jared Ming at Higher Vision Church um, in Valencia, California. And he sends his love and, uh, for this special service. And so we're glad that we're able to be here. Uh, if you don't know anything about what we do in California... We are really honored to uh, serve the Next Gen Ministries, which is basically 30 years old all the way down to 13. And uh, so we cover quite a few things, uh, as well as the internship there, and are able to serve. I'm able to serve as an executive pastor there at the, at the church. And so God is doing a lot of cool things in California. This year we have a lot of cool things coming up that we could be a part of, leading missions trip to, to Jerusalem, as well as uh, Manaus, Brazil. So we're excited about what God's going to do in 2019. I'm telling you, look back at 2018 and... It's like, man, some cool things happened. Of course, there were some lows and whatnot, but, man, so many good things happened. I'm expecting even greater in 2019. I, um, you know, right before we were getting ready to come here, I was doing something I do pretty often, and I was trying to find uh, my keys. And, uh, and the whole thing is, is everybody in my house loves to move my stuff all the time. My wallet goes missing often, and this time I was looking for my keys, and, I was, and this was, I don't know, it was probably a whole more, we were at the office like, um, who took my keys? I'm asking interns where they put my keys. I'm asking fellow staff if they moved my keys, and I was like, you know who moved them? It was Desiree. She's always moving my keys, and the whole day I was like, hey, do you remember where you put my keys at? She's like, I never touched your keys, and I remember, I was like, no, I gave you my keys, and you need to give me my keys back because I need, I, need to, I need my keys. And all day I'm looking for them, and she's like, I don't have them. Where did you put them last? Like, I put them in your hand, and that's why you have my keys. And I'm looking around trying to find my keys. It's going on for not five minutes. We're talking two, three hours. I cannot find my keys. <laughs> and at this point now, we're, I'm, I'm, I am getting angry at my wife, because she won't, she won't give me my keys, or she hid them from me, or a combination. I'm like, Desiree, have you seen my keys? She's like, did you check your pockets? Yes, I checked my pockets. Of course you did. Let me check them real quick. I began to check my pockets. Still can't find them, and the day goes on. I'm looking for my keys, and they're nowhere to be found, and lo and behold, I stand up, and I'm doing one of these numbers, and my keys were in my back pocket all along. All along that day, I found something that was always there, but I didn't know that I had. They were in my back pocket, and so <laughs> we're, st- we're doing okay. Everything's all right. Between- 
I forgave her, she forgave me, it's all good. Uh, <laughs> um, I lost my keys, but I found them. And I was thinking about that when I, I found something that I always had, and it reminded me of this story that you find in Scripture. This isn't a typical, I suppose, Christmas story, but we sang about um, today. But in Exodus 3 and 4, we are in the middle of this story of a man, one of the greatest leaders, greatest people, heroes in Scripture, movies have been made about his life and all these great things. We're, we're introduced halfway, maybe more than halfway into his life, a man by the name of Moses, and maybe you've heard of him before. And Moses, at this point in his life, he's at the, the, back, the back end of a desert. He is tending to his father-in-law's sheep when off in the distance he sees, he sees a burning bush, which he's in the desert, and we live in California. Uh, seeing something burning out in the desert is nothing new uh, well, for us. So I would imagine that maybe he's seen this before. And uh, Moses, is, he's drawn to this, this burning bush because it, it doesn't burn out. And so Moses goes and he gets a closer look. And check this out. He, as he gets closer to the bush, the bush starts talking to him. It's freaky, right? I don't know how I would uh, respond. But even, even more crazy than that, then the voice in this bush turns out to be the voice of God. And, and, and God begins to lay out this master plan about how Mo, our friend, is going to lead um, the negotiation process for the release of, of his chosen people from slavery. It's crazy. And, and, and God begins to tell him this. And Moses has an excuse for everything. And Moses is like, well, what if, what if they don't listen to me? He's like, well, Moses, what are you holding in your hand? Well, I'm holding a staff. Throw that thing on the ground. And so he drops on the ground. It turns into a snake. That's a cool party trick. And it's like, well, well, what if they still don't listen to me? He's like, well, put your hand inside your, your cloak. He puts it in and pulls it out, and it's leprosy, and, which is creepy in itself. And he puts it back and pulls it out. Now it's healed. Well, well what if they still don't listen to me? And by the time he gets a sentence out, it's 2020. Moses has this stutter, and God's like, hey, I, I know that, but I'm, I'm going to speak for you. I can help you. Moses, then, as the story goes on, he, he goes on not just to negotiate that release of the Hebrew people, but he goes on to do some pretty amazing stuff in his life, celebrated throughout history. And it's, a, and it's an incredible story. But I was thinking about this, that it did not always start out like this for Moses. It didn't start like, like this at all. He, he has a really interesting story. And, I, and I've, I've worked with, with young people for, for quite some time. And it's just always been an interesting thing to me how much the first 18 years of our life affects the next 60. It's just amazing. That, that, that people are now caught into to cycles at times at 50 that started when they were 16 years old. They, they say that the formative years uh, of a child are the most important when they're forming. They, I remember when, when Desiree was pregnant with... Uh, with Xavier, it's our first time having a, a baby, and so, and they're like, hey, everything matters, so maybe, maybe play classical music in your house, that will help, that will help your child form in the womb, okay, classical music it is, and they, well, when the baby's born, maybe in the baby's room, put some nice colors all over the wall, maybe that will make them more of an artist, I don't, I don't know, and, but, but try that, or you know what else is very important is how you, how you speak to a, a, a baby is very important. I always wondered why parents' voice changed when they had kids. They talked normal. Like, 
my little, you know, it's like, okay, so how, that matters. Not, not, not just how you talk to a child, but how, how you touch them. The physical interaction is so important because the forming years are so important, to, they say, to your child's success. And if that was true, then Moses could never become a, a person of great influence. Because when Moses was born, for the first three months of his life, he was hidden underneath the sink. Or, or maybe it was a um, dirty laundry pile, or behind the couch, or behind the refrigerator. He was hidden from everyone's sight. Um, that meant his identity was hidden, his greatness was hidden, his purpose was hidden. He was hidden. Moses is hidden the first three months of his life. And in a moment of desperation, his mom packs him up neatly in a basket and places him gently into a river, the Nile, to f- and watches him float down crocodile-infested waters with, filled with some of the most venomous snakes in the world. Watch him float down and just hopes for the best, that something better is waiting for him. Essentially, then we find that Moses is abandoned. At a young age, he's abandoned. In my experience, I've found that, that when we struggle with abandonment, we sometimes have a hard time having close relationships. When we struggle with abandonment, we have a hard time trusting the people around us. When we struggle with abandonment, it kind of opens up this whole thing, but at the end of it, it really starts an issue with identity for us. Because we weren't good enough then, how am I going to be good enough now? And Moses' story is tragic already, but, but he's floating down the river, and then it says that the Pharaoh's daughter, or the king's daughter, she found that basket and picked him up and adopted him. And so now, when I read this, I'm like, everything's great for Mo now. He went from crocodile dinner to now he is part of the the kingdom he's part of the family he has everything he's ever going to need and it sounds great but the problem for Moses now runs deep because Moses is an Egyptian by situation but a Hebrew by birth I can't imagine him him walking as a young man and growing up how he must have struggled and wrestled with his identity what language what culture do I adhere to? What, what God am I supposed to serve? I can't imagine what it was like for him in his junior high years, his high school years. How am I supposed to, knowing what I know, how am I supposed to be? Who am I? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to be? Talk about confusion, right? A lack of understanding of who he really is. Moses is confused, and his confusion only helps him grow into a failure. He had so many mixed emotions. He had everything he needed, yet he watches his people, his, maybe his true identity, where he came from, struggling in slavery, getting beaten, mistreated, and he struggles back and forth so much that one day he has enough. He tries to take matters into his own hands. And while he's doing that, he makes a mistake and accidentally murders a man. Moses is a part of the, the, the king's house. He's royalty there. But now Moses is on the run as a murderer, as a killer, as a criminal refugee on the nation's hit list. He is now trapped as a person. Moses could have never saw these situations coming in his life. And a lot of times what I find is that the direction and the quality of our lives 
is determined by how we handle what we didn't see coming. How we handle the stuff we never thought could have happened, never should have happened. Because sometimes life, it will knock things off of you. It will knock things out of you and into you. And because of this, we learn to act and react. We start developing all these issues. And if we're not careful, if we don't deal with these problems, deal with these issues, if we aren't careful, they quickly become our identity. Life is full of surprises, even not just for Moses, but for us. And if everything has to go as planned, predicted, and preferred for me to be able to live well, chances are I won't be able to step into the fullness of God's best for my life. We see this by Moses' example. And Moses is, tries to make the best of a bad situation. And so he tries to, to start a new life, make a new life for himself. And Moses, he connects with these, these people called the Midianites. And they think he's an Egyptian now. In life, sometimes it's, it's really interesting that we can connect with people who think we are something that we aren't. Because if they knew who you really were, they wouldn't allow you in. And Moses finds it easy to deceive them because he didn't know who he was either. He wasn't a bad person. He had some bad breaks. And so now when we're struggling in this area, we just become whatever they call us. Now that's our identity. He learns to adapt to his surroundings, much like I have in my life, maybe like you have in yours. Moses is learning all these things, and for many of us, we find identity in, in moments, maybe like Moses had, or perhaps that words of people are saying to us, maybe uh, someone's words that was spoken over you. Proverbs 18.21 says this, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or they're fruit you choose. And here's the agonizing truth of it all today. A lot of times, people, you and I included, we will rise and fall to the words that are spoken to us or over us. Right? And if we're not careful, we can, we can push people towards a destiny by our words that maybe was never for them, but our words are now beginning to form their identity. We have to be careful. The words that were spoken over you as a, as a junior high or a high school or as a young person by a grandfather or a well-meaning cousin that have just branded your life and given you identity. Moses was in the same place. Struggling with identity. They say I'm an Egyptian, so I guess that's, that's who I'm going to be. They said I would be just like my father, so I guess that's who I'm going to be. They said I'd be just like my, my sister, so I guess that's who I'm going to be. They said I would never amount to anything, so I guess that's just who I'm going to be. Maybe that's the only way I'll be accepted in certain circles is if I am who they call me. Maybe that's all I have to offer. Maybe they know the real me better than I do, so it's better that I just become what they said I am. And Moses is now finds him in this place. He's married and has kids now in this area, and he's spent... 40 years in Egypt and now 40 years in the backside of a desert. He's a married man. He's abandoned. He's been confused. He's been a failure. He's made more mistakes than he can even imagine that someone could make in their life. And he's 80 years old when he encounters God, finally. 80 years old. Doing what he does every day. Holding his staff. Tending to some Stinky sheep. When he sees a fire off in the distance that won't burn out. 
catches his attention and he turns and begins to approach it. I found that any time that there's something burning in your life, that it doesn't burn out, perhaps God is trying to get your attention. Maybe at other times it would have been easy for him just to let you continue to walk your normal path of every day, but not today for Moses. It was a moment that needed to happen, and Moses gets closer, and he begins to have this conversation, and it turns out it's the voice of God, and, and off jump, this voice begins to speak to purpose on Moses. You're going to be my chosen person to deliver all of my people. And Moses is like, wait, you've got the wrong, you got the wrong guy. It can't be me. I mean, I don't know if you've been hanging out around my life, God, but I am not the guy you think I am. I might be an Egyptian. I, I might be a failure, but I'm certainly not your guy. You, you need to go find somebody else. There's got to be someone better than me. You, you don't know the stuff that I, I think about myself. You don't know what, they tell, what they've told me. You don't know what I've done. It can't be me. And, and it's interesting because God is constantly communicating identity. All throughout Scripture, you find him communicating who we really are. He's not repeating himself because he needs to say it. He's saying it because you and I need to hear it. Listen, friend, I don't know where you came from today, but God has a very strong opinion about you. It doesn't matter if this is your first time in church or you walked away from, from your relationship with God or you've been a Christian your whole life, came to church and you serve. God has an opinion about you. He thinks something about you. He has a strong opinion. But not only does God have an opinion about you, so does everybody else. Everybody's got an opinion. Don't, you don't agree with me, check out Facebook. Everybody's got an opinion about something, and everybody's right about their opinion. But I find out most of the time in life that most of the people that have opinions about others, they're based off inadequate or partial info about the person. God has an opinion. Everyone else has an opinion. But I've found in my life that I have an opinion about me too. I have an opinion too. I think things and believe things about myself that I would never say out loud. That I would be too afraid maybe to say in public or at a church or in a small group or to a pastor or a leader. At the core of who I am, I have some things that I, I recite over myself and I think to myself, I couldn't say this out loud, but this is what I really think about me. Everyone else thinks this. This is the, the front I put on. This is who they say I am, but on the inside, I've got some things that I think about me too. God has an opinion. Everyone else has an opinion, but I have an opinion too. I think there's something really important about what we think about ourselves. And in Proverbs, I think that Solomon has a really, um, maybe a revelation from God about how strong it really is what you think about yourself. It says this over here in Proverbs 23, 7. It says this, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Or for as she thinks in her heart, so is she. Which tells me in, in 2019, if you can change the way you think, you can change the way you live. Not, not, not about somebody else. Let's just take it for you. If you can change the way you think about you in 2019, you can change the way that you live says it right here in scripture. 
whatever, whatever we think in our heart, it becomes the driving force for my actions. It's why I do what I do. Why I say what I say. It's why I react the way I react. Because as a person thinks in their heart, so are they. See, we, we can't change our actions until we change our understanding of who we really are. Not who they said you are, but who you really are. My question for you today, friend, is do you know who you really are? Moses was 80 years old and had no clue of who he was. 80 years not knowing who he is. And this is what I found too. I mean, in student ministry, we see it all the time. But in church, in life, we see it. We can change our behavior for a season. But we'll always fall back into cycles because I haven't changed my understanding of who I am. Well, I did really good for about two months. But unless you change your understanding of who you are, you'll always go back to who you were. We've got to change our understanding. The whole passage, God is speaking to, directly to Moses' purpose. God is speaking directly to who she was born to be. God wants him to be his spokesperson, his leader. God begins to draw out his identity right in front of our eyes. Watch what it says in Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. So maybe your, your parents made you. But what God is saying, they may have made you, but I'm the one that formed you. I formed you. This is so cool to think about because Maybe that means this, that God is saying, I made you strong where you needed to be strong. I gave you personality where you needed to have personality. Where you needed talent, I placed talent. He put everything in you that you needed to be in you for you to be able to do what he's called you to do in your life. You are lacking nothing. You're lacking nothing. But maybe you're like Moses. Maybe you just can't see it right now. He couldn't see it either. Because he was trapped, like many of us are, in a case of mistaken identity. He really thought he was something that he wasn't. Moses is trapped. Which is what we find. Mo Moses' name means this. It means drawn out. It means to be drawn out. It's a process. I found out that in my life, identity has been a process that's drawn out. Um, maybe you're familiar with uh, a well. And how they pump for water, yeah? Have you ever done it before? Pump for water? Two of us, okay. And we're pumping for water. Notice that, that one pump doesn't get all the water out. Same thing with identity. It, it's a process of pumping it and drawing it out. Where is it drawing out of? The clouds? No. Where is it drawing out of? Your parents? No. Where is it drawing out of? Your job? No. It's drawing out from the inside. It's drawing out from the inside. Most, like, well, God, this sounds amazing. I, you, I mean, if you know my past, I think my people should be freed too because I accidentally killed somebody trying to do it. So I agree with you, but um, I'm not good enough to do that. I, I'm a wanted felon. I'm a criminal. Why would Pharaoh listen to me? And God just basically says, don't worry, I'll be with you. Wait, but you don't understand. I, they're not going to ever listen to me. I'll be with you. I'm not, 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 a good, not, not a good speaker. They, they would never listen to something I have to say. You're right, you have a stutter. But I'll be with you. 
the stutter, the stutter. Moses had his limitations just like we do. A reason why we can't get past this, why we couldn't do that thing, why we, can, why we can't be vocal. He had his limitations too, and God says, I understand your limitations, but I'll be with you. It's interesting because I, I find that God will use the dark spaces, the, the limitations in our life to highlight his brilliance. Just as a highlight, watch, watch this is so amazing because I believe God is saying, stop talking about who you used to be because I'm trying to introduce you to the person that you were born to be. You were born to be this. I'm not going to let you let something limit you that doesn't have to limit you. Before you were even born, I saw you as a leader. Before they labeled you, before they gave you issues, I saw you as a leader. I saw you as mine. I saw the potential. I saw the purpose. I saw the destiny. He saw it all. We find that even throughout Scripture that there are certain things in our, in our life that aren't going to come out of us until God calls it out. Look in the New Testament. We find Peter. And he calls Peter the rock. And Peter, by, by our own standards, is nothing like a rock. But Peter couldn't be that rock until Jesus called it out. Perhaps today, God is beginning to call your true identity out of you, too. He's calling you out from where you've been and into who you're supposed to be. Because no matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you look over your life, Reality is this, you don't know you best. I didn't make me. I don't know me best. Listen, I don't care how old you are, how young you are today at Liberty Church, but there is greatness on the inside of you that you have not seen yet. There's greatness inside of your ministries that you lead, perhaps, that you haven't seen yet. You have not seen the fullness of who God has created you to be. Scripture says it's like this. It's going from faith to faith, glory to glory. He said the steps of the righteous are ordered of God. As we take a step, sometimes we're seeing that as we take steps closer to God, more of our identity is being drawn out of who we are. You haven't seen nothing yet. Maybe you had a horrible last three years. You haven't seen nothing yet. God's not finished with you. God's not finished with your family. God's not finished with your health. He's not done calling things out of you. Moses was 80 until he got things figured out and he didn't figure it out himself. God drew it out of him. On that day, it's, it's so interesting. Like, well, 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 Mark, you don't understand, man. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just too old. Maybe you are old. But my question for you is this, who told you you were too old? Because if God didn't say you were too old, perhaps that voice has been wrong in your life. Well, I, I'm, I'm, too, I'm too young, or I'm, I'm too broken. I'm too messed up. Our relationship's too, too messed up. There's no Maybe you're right. Maybe there is a limitation. But if God didn't say that he would use you because of that, then maybe you're listening to the wrong voices in your life. This is really interesting to me because exodus means exit. It's an amazing thing. Exodus was, was, is so famous, and the story in this book is so famous over history because it tells this amazing tale of how God's chosen people against all odds 
against slavery, against everything, are freed. And it follows their story into the promised land. And it's known as the exodus for the Hebrews. The exodus for God's people. And it's fantastic. And it's amazing. But exodus isn't just an exit for the Hebrews. But it was an exit for Moses from who he was to into who God had called him to be. Listen, there would have been no exodus for the Hebrews if there wasn't first an exit for Moses. There would have been none. Moses has, has an exodus. This is, this is interesting to me because Moses had to have felt trapped. There was a reason why he, he, just, he just chose to tend sheep as far away from the public eye as possible. He went ghost on social media. He was as far away as possible. You are not going to find out anything about me. I'm stuck here. Leave me alone. This is who I'm going to be. Moses had to have felt trapped, not just by his bad decisions, but by every situation that had led up to this moment. Moses had to have felt trapped. And maybe we, we, we always focus on how the Hebrews were the ones in slavery, but I would submit to you today that Moses was in just as much slavery as the Hebrews were because he couldn't break free. He tried taking it into his own, own hands like I have in my life. I, I tried doing it my way, and all it does is it adds more chains. I, I, I tried to go to start my own life and figure it out, and maybe this will be what God wants me to be. And no, he finds himself in more chains. He's enslaved. He's trapped. But God offers an exodus for him. He offers an exodus. You're never trapped. You're never forgotten. God's making a way for you to break out and be not who they said you could be, but to be who he made you to be. When you know God is with you and for you, it begins to change everything, not just for you, but it changes everything for the people around you. As you find with Moses and the Hebrews, maybe you getting free could could change your family too, could change your people too. Moses getting free opens up the door for many to become free because now he knows who he is and now he knows what he can do because he knows God is the one that placed it there, that God is the one that called him and Moses now is free. So, well, Mark, you don't, even, you don't even know me. You don't even know me. It's impossible. It's impossible for me to turn it around now. You don't know what I've come from. You don't know what I'm living. It's impossible. Friend, impossible is only an opinion. When God's in it in your life, it's not over. He has the last word. If he can turn blindness into sight, if he can make the deaf ear hear, if he can bring the dead back to life, surely he can provide you an exit in your life. Come on, turn to someone next to you and say, he's given me an exit. He's given me an exit. Come on. You still being here proves that God's not done with you. What the enemy thought was going to finish you off is setting you up for the greatest year of your life. This is the year of exodus for you. Come on, today I pray that you will never settle another day in your life. That I will come now to my life with the understanding that I am God's child. And I'm going to start living like royalty again. Stop selling yourself short and become who God has made you to be. Come on, someone this year is going to take their exit. You're going to begin to take your exit from abandonment. You're going to begin to take your exit from, 
from strife, begin to take your exit from perversion and anger and failure. And be saying to people in your life, excuse me, I know you have an opinion about me, but I'm about to get my life back. God is turning this thing around. I'm making an exit from who you say I am, from the situations I've been in, from the mistakes that I've made. And I'm becoming a once again who God has made me to be. I'm making an exit. Moses was 80. He made an exit. Maybe you're 25 and it's time that you made an exit too. Maybe you're 63. It's time for you to make an exit too. It's not over. You're not trapped. God's making a way for you. It's never too late to become who you were called to be. This morning, would you bow your head and close your eyes? It's never too late. It's not over. It's not over. It's not over. It's not over. They were wrong about you. Just like they were wrong about Moses. Maybe you have limitations, but it's not over. You're not trapped. God is making a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for you and me. He's making a way. He's making a way. All over this room today. Maybe it's time for your exit. It could be a grandma in this room. It could be a daughter in this room, an uncle. A son, a father. An uncle, and an aunt, a friend. There's an exit for you. God's making a way for you in 2019. He's making a way. I believe he's even making a way in your business. So you can finally bless others the way that you've always dreamed about blessing others. Come on, what, what's the burning bush in your life? The thing that keeps on getting your attention. Today. Means there's an exit for you. An exit waiting. Felt trapped in a cycle of toxic living. Friend, there's a way out for you. For some of us that are already following Jesus and made him the Lord of our life, he's our God, he's a centerpiece. We call ourselves Christians, followers of Christ. Maybe you are, you are a Christian today, but you've been stuck in today. It's time for you to make an exit. I'm talking to you. Notice that the only people there at that bush were God and Moses. Today it's not a special prayer that I can pray over you. It's an encounter between you and God. It's saying, God, I'm, I'm ready to become who you, who you made me to be. I'm done with this cycle. There's others in this room that the greatest exit you can make is from the life you're living and into a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the ultimate exodus. From being in slavery to sin or slavery into your own ways or being trapped by your own series of bad decisions 
Today you can make the greatest decision of your life that starts with a prayer but results in a life change of asking Jesus to come and be the primary piece of your life, the, what you build your life upon, not an not a addition to your life, but the cornerstone. And live life the way that God intended for you to live today. If you have never accepted Jesus into your life, or perhaps you did it one time, and now you've been off doing your own thing for a series of weeks, months, or years. Today I want to pray with you. It starts just like that. It starts with a prayer. I'm going to count to three in just a moment. I'm going to invite you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you. You're not going to be alone praying. There's going to be people all over the room. See, I want to give my life the one that Jesus came to give me. I want to make my exit today. I'm going to count to three and invite you to raise your hand. I'm not going to have you come to the front or do anything weird, but I would like to pray with you today. All over the room, I count to three. One, two, three. Yeah, all over the room, yeah. Thank you, thank you there, and thank you there. God bless you. Thank you here and here. Yeah, God bless you. Hands all over the room. Anybody else say, Mark, would you please pray with me? Pray with me, Mark. Yeah, God bless you. I see you in the back too, bro. God bless you. Yeah, anybody else say, Mark, would you pray with me? I see you too on the side. God bless you. Hands shot up all over the room. Anybody else say, Mark, would you please include me in this prayer? Please include me today. God bless you. I see your hand too, yeah. You can put your hands down. You can have your head bowed and eye closed still. I'm going to ask everyone in this room whether you prayed this prayer once or a thousand times to pray along with me. Just as support to all the people, 10, 15 hands raised this morning. Just as support to them. They're making the greatest decision they could ever make. So all across the room, would you repeat this prayer? They say, Lord Jesus, today, I'm sorry for the way I've been living. I accept you and the exodus that you provided me. Thank you, God, for sending your son to die for me, to create a way back to you. And today, I'll live my life from here on out, getting to know you and making you known in my world. In Jesus' name, everyone that agree with that prayer would say, amen. Come on, can we clap for all those people? Wow. Wow, wow, wow. It's amazing. It's amazing. Pastor Brandon's going to come and tell you what to do next, but thank you so much today for coming out. And I pray that you are blessed. Have an amazing Christmas and a I'm telling you, have the best year of your life. You have permission to have the greatest year ever. Pastor Brandon. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We always want to encourage those of you who have a story of how God is working in your life through this ministry to send us an email to amen at libertyofomaha.com. For more information on Liberty Church, visit libertyofomaha.com. Thanks for joining us and have a credible week.